Today's Bible reading is taken from Daniel chapter 12, at the very end of the book. Daniel chapter 12, starting at verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, My Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Well, Dan, thanks very much for that reading. It's time now for us to set about different things. Uh, older ones going to work our way through Daniel chapter 12 uh, with uh, this talk together. Um, younger ones uh, got a chance to work through the material that Darren uh, has prepared for you. Uh, but before any of us do that, why don't we pray and ask for God's help? Uh, Father God, we come uh, to this chapter, uh, the very end of the book of Daniel, and we ask for your help to to read what you've placed here for us, uh, to understand it, to respond to it, 
uh, with uh, faithful and obedient hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're all used to warning signs, aren't we? Um, red light on the dashboard, a, um, a funny noise from a vacuum cleaner, um, the, the sort of the ominous absence of, of letters or emails from uh, from a friend who'd normally be in touch regularly. Um, maybe uh, some health pain uh, that um, uh, that bothers us, a strange loss of taste or smell, sinister signs, signs that worry us and concern us, make us think that something's amiss, uh, and signs to which we respond with activity, uh, a sign that uh, we need to set about putting things right. Uh, to try and sort things out, uh, to make things better. Well, Daniel, this second half of the book of Daniel is full of signs, uh, and many of them pretty ominous and sinister signs. But I think we're going to see that the response to those signs is, is not quite the same uh, as that which we're normally expecting it to be. Uh, you're going to realise that, uh, even if this is your very first Sunday with us, that we are coming to the end. Uh, we're coming to the end of the book of Daniel, final chapter. I wonder how you're feeling about that if you've been with us through the series. Uh, you're feeling relieved, glad that we've finally got to the end of this book, found it all a bit obscure, a little bit tricky, hard work. Can't wait to return to more familiar territory, maybe. Well, if you are feeling like that, I reckon that's not a bad thing for us. Not bad to, to feel out of our depth in Scripture. Because if Daniel is leaving us with the distinct sense that when it comes to things spiritual, we haven't really got it taped. Uh, there's much that we still don't know or understand. Then that's actually not a bad place to be. Jesus has all sorts of things to say about spiritual presumption about somehow imagining that we're at the top of some spiritual pecking order. Uh, he says that we need to become like little children, that the first will be last, and the last will be first. But it's not just the end of the book that's in view. Uh, this chapter, you would have noticed it as Daniel was reading, this chapter concerns the end. The end end, the end of all things. Uh, the end of the world as we know it. Uh, which is something that our culture gets really excited about, isn't it? You notice that? Uh, especially, it seems, in, in the last uh, decade or two. All manner of films have been produced uh, on apocalyptic themes. Uh, you could say that of the making of films about the apocalypse, there is no end. But that wouldn't be a very good pun. Uh, you, you, you've seen them. Uh, what are they? They're uh, from Interstellar to Melancholia, uh, from I Am Legend to the Book of Eli. We seem to love puzzling about the end of all things. Uh, and it's not just our filmmakers. Uh, our, our scientists are at it too. Uh, from the big crunch to the big freeze, the big bounce and the big rip, uh, all of them apparently, uh, theories that cosmologists have about the way that our universe may wrap up. Well, at least I think they are. I don't understand them. Uh, maybe you do. But would you see that it's not the mechanisms that Daniel is bothered about here. His focus is on what's going on under the surface, the spiritual realm, 
where the real issues of eternity are being played out. Uh, well, you want to know um, how we're going to get to the end of this talk, so uh, let me tell you where we're going. Uh, we've got three observations about the end. Uh, then we'll have a pause uh, before we look at a couple of implications for us. So, three observations about the end. Here's the first. Observation one, the end is not a time to predict. See how our chapter begins, uh, verse one. At that time. And the obvious question to ask is, what time? When precisely is this time that we're talking about? And indeed, it's the very question that the angelic figure asks in verse six. How long before these astonishing things are fulfilled? Actually, the question of how long before things come to their culmination has been bubbling around for some chapters now. But the answers again and again have been annoyingly obscure. You notice that? Uh, back in chapter 8, verse 14, uh, the answer to the question how long was 2,300 evenings and mornings. Uh, in chapter 9, verse 24, we were told it's seven sevens and 62 sevens and then one more seven. And then here in our chapter, verse 7 uh, of chapter 12, we're told that it is time, times, and half a time. Now that's a phrase that we've heard before. It gets mentioned back in chapter 7. And to be honest, it made as little sense there as it does here. And we're still not finished. Uh, there's one more answer in verse 11 of chapter 12. When the man dressed in linen tells us that from the time the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. To be honest, it, it couldn't, could hardly be more confusing, could it? What, what do we make of this? I think simply this, that, that there is a time a set and certain time when the end will come. But what that time is has not been revealed to us. It's a hidden time, a time known only to God. And that is the way that he intended it. Because of all the things that God knows, which far surpass and exceed anything that we could possibly ever imagine, our infant eternal God, well, he has revealed just a small part of all of that. And those things that he's revealed are accessible to us uh, in the pages of the Bible. Uh, but there's much that he hasn't revealed. So that there is an end is clear. When that end will be is not. But if we're honest, we, we don't like that, you and I. Because we want to know. And so we puzzle and we plot we, we predict and we pronounce, convinced that sooner or later, if we just work hard enough at it, we'll puzzle it out. And instead of setting the limits that God has placed for us, we try to go beyond them. It, it's kind of like an effort to, to work God out, to sort him out. But that's a dangerous path to tread. Because you see that the, the Bible isn't a resource 
for my personal spiritual advancement. Now, the Bible is the living and active word of God. And he didn't give us the Bible to satisfy our spiritual curiosity. No, no, we have the Bible because in these words we encounter the very living God himself. And the man or woman who is wise is the man or woman who is contrite and humble and trembles before this living word of our living God. So first, the end is not a time to predict. And then my second observation, that the end is a time of terrible distress. You catch that again in verse 1. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Now, this can't have sat comfortably with Daniel. Because think of the terrible times that Daniel has already seen in his life. The overthrow of Jerusalem. The humbling of their king. The forced exile to Babylon. The tyrannical rulers with their lion's dens and their fiery furnaces. And here he is being told, you ain't seen nothing yet. Still worse lies ahead before the end will come. In fact, he's told in verse 7 that it is only when the power of the holy people has been finally broken that all these things will be completed. Broken. Not not, not dented. Not somewhat under pressure. But broken. God's people, the Christian church, Christian witness, apparently beyond repair, beyond hope. Then and only then will the end come. That what lies ahead before the end is not glorious renewal, but abject defeat. Now, don't imagine that it is, it's just gloomy old Daniel who speaks in this way. No, Jesus himself, borrowing these very words in Mark chapter 13, anticipated days of distress that were unparalleled from the very beginning. So there's two things from this chapter about the end. First, that the end is not a time that we can predict. Second, that it is a time of terrible distress. And yet, third and finally, this time is good news. You see it there in verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Here's a time when evil is finally set aside and good triumphs over all. When blessing comes for those who wait faithfully for their God. Verse 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I wonder if you remember um, towards the end of the the Narnia stories that C.S. Lewis wrote, uh, how in the the words of Aslan the lion, that the Christ-like figure 
uh, how he uses these words to describe this moment of the anticipation, the dawning of the end. The term is over, he said. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. For them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And would you notice that it's the wise who receive all this? Uh, and that sort of loops us back to the very beginning, where we began. Because we need to understand that this isn't the kind of wisdom that puzzles out answers. Not the kind of wisdom that takes us to the, to the top of that spiritual pecking order. It's nothing to do with, with a wisdom that achieves or gains knowledge. Now, the, the wisdom that's being written off here is, is contrite. It's humble. It's the wisdom that trembles before the word of the Lord. That's what we're told, isn't it? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I wonder if you're beginning to get the shape of uh, this final chapter. An end is coming. An end to all things. And although we can't predict the timing, and although the path to that end is going to take us through terrible terrain, nevertheless, that end is an end in which we know the most wonderful deliverance and blessing. And the wise man or woman, on hearing these things, receives them, believes them, and accepts them. Yeah, and then what? Because, wasn't I just saying a moment ago that the words of the Bible are not to satisfy our intellectual curiosity. They're not just to give us bits of information. That They are intended to draw us, to, to, to move us into relationship, a living relationship with a living God. So, if today... If right now God is speaking these words to us, if what we have this very moment is an encounter with the living God who addresses us, then what will it mean for you and I to respond? That's the question that we need to answer. And we'll do our best to answer in just a moment. But before we do so, let, let's pause. Um, there are extraordinary things that we've already seen and considered in this chapter. So let's pause for a moment and absorb them. Uh, we'll do that by, by listening uh, to a song, a uh, song you, you may know the words to, you may want to join in, or you may just want to listen and reflect uh, on all that we have seen so far in this chapter.
Uh, we'll do uh, take a seat again, grab a Bible again. We're going to get back uh, to this uh, final chapter of Daniel. Uh, so far, we've we've seen three things uh, about the end from this chapter. Uh, we've seen that the end has an unknowable date, that the path to the end is impossibly hard, but that, most importantly, the end is incomparably good. And I think all of that leaves us in the position that Daniel finds himself in verse 8, uh, when he says, well, I hear these things, but I don't really understand. Well, at least not if understanding means knowing what to do. And that's why Daniel asks, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? Meaning kind of, how will this turn out? What will it look like? And, and what exactly am I supposed to do? And Daniel, you notice, gets, gets two kind of answers to his inquiries as the chapter closes out. The first is there in verse 9, where Daniel is told, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. And then something rather similar in verse 13, at the very end of the chapter. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Let me, let me try and capture, summarise what I think is being said here under two headings. At first, I think Daniel has been told, be busy in God's kingdom. Be busy in God's kingdom because these things are certain. So certain that they're, they're signed, sealed and delivered. I think that's the sense of the sealing here. I don't think the sealing means that they're, they're hidden so that you can't get at them. No, I think that they're sealed in the sense that they can't be altered. That they're permanent and definite, truly guaranteed. And kind of because of that, go your way, Daniel. Get on with your life. Be about your master's business. Live your life in the light of these sure and certain things. I guess in New Testament terms, we might say something like, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I think that, that means that I need to ask, ask myself, uh, and I want to ask you, where does your Christian discipleship come in the list of your priorities? Because if this is the way that things will end, if this is the reality towards which we are headed, if behind the scenes a spiritual battle rages for your soul, and if that battle has been decisively won by Christ, if, verse 1, your name really is written in the book so that you will be delivered on the last day, how else could you live? How else could I live except with undivided devotion to the God who has delivered us? So first, be busy in the kingdom of light. Be on your way. Be busy about the way of the God who has saved you. And then secondly, be confident in the face of death. I don't think it's, uh, it's ever too early in life uh, to begin the process of uh, contemplating our own mortality. Uh, too easily 
we leave that for later. Leave that for when I'm a bit older. And of course that means that some of us will leave it too late. Uh, someone asked me recently what it was like um, uh, watching these services on a Sunday and uh, so often seeing myself on screen uh, leading or preaching. Uh, they asked me what I'd learned. I think they were looking for some sort of um, um, intelligent and thoughtful answer about things I'd learned about my preaching and ways that I was going to improve. They probably thought uh, that I needed to, to try and up my game a little bit. Um, actually, what I said to them is that the main thing that I'd learned from watching myself on screen over these past few months is that I'm not 27 anymore. Hard to avoid the reality as I gaze at myself on screen that actually the face looking back at me is the face of a man approaching 60, uh, not a young buck in his 20s. Now, I know that sounds silly, uh, and it's been obvious to you for some time. But secretly, don't so many of us live as if we're still 27, imagining that in our heads? Uh, which is why we're convinced that contemplating death, contemplating our own mortality, I can wait and wait and wait until we've left it too late. And whether we are believers or not, that is a mistake. Because we will live better lives, you and I. And we will deal more honestly with God if we will face the fact that we are coming to this end. Because if we do that, then I think verse 13 will come alive for us in fresh ways. Just look at the detail of that verse again. As for you, go your way till the end. We've seen that has the sense of, of be busy in the service of the Lord. And these words spoken to Daniel at the end of his life. He has been busy. He's lived a glorious, wonderful, faithful life through extraordinary times. But at the end of that, Daniel is told, you will rest. And that's the rest of his death. But death is not the end. Because then at the end of the days, that, that's not the end of Daniel's days. No, that's the end that God is moving towards. At the end of the days, you will rise. But what a clear and certain Old Testament declaration of the resurrection. And moreover, those who rise as believers will receive their allotted inheritance. That's a fantastic final verse to this chapter, isn't it? And I need to close by saying, do you believe it? Because this is what the Christian faith is all about. The route to the end may take us through trouble. We're told here that God's holy people are broken before the end will come. And we live in a period of history where it feels like all sorts of things are coming undone and breaking. Maybe there are particular things in your life that feel broken and damaged at the moment. But that need not surprise us, even as Christian believers. Because the path, the shape of the Christian life, 
is an imitation of the, the path and the shape of the life of Christ himself. Christ went through terrible trouble. Indeed, Christ, God's most holy person, was broken on the cross. But Christ, God's most holy person, was also raised on the third day. And Christ received his allotted inheritance. He's walked this path before us. He did it in our place. To be a Christian believer is, is to have faith that because he has travelled that path in my place, I by grace can receive, I can, my sinful body can be broken in his body. And the resurrection that he has passed through can be my resurrection and his inheritance, my inheritance. That's what it means to, to, to live by faith in Christ, to be identified with him. I began by thinking about warning signs. There are plenty of them around at the moment, aren't they? Maybe some specific ones in your life. But our tendency is to respond to, to signs of warning with renewed activity, to try and sort things out, to try and find our solution. But do you see what this chapter would point us towards? Is that there is a solution that has already been delivered. It's the solution that Christ has provided. So that at the end, we can be sure and certain because of him. We're going to close by singing about faith in that gift of salvation from Christ, which will see us through the end to the blessing and the inheritance uh, that Christ has secured for us. Uh, let me lead us uh, in a prayer before we do that. Our gracious God, would you give us a sure and confident faith in all that Christ has provided through his death in our place on the cross. Uh, Lord God, his body was broken in our place, but his body was also raised in our place. And the inheritance that is his as your beloved son, uh, gloriously and wonderfully, almost beyond uh, our imaginings, uh, that inheritance can be ours. So grant us faith in Christ. And would that faith uh, manifest itself, reveal itself uh, in a life lived uh, in devoted service to you. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, well, let's uh, stand then. Uh, sing of this faith in our final song.